It's that time, America. Your very own nationally award-winning family radio talk show. Let's Talk America with host Shayla Thornton is set to air now. We feature the trending news stories, the timely interviews you want to hear, and the hottest music in the industry. This show truly is news talk for everyone. Let others know right now that you're tuned in to quality news talk that matters. You're listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton. The broadcast begins now, now, now. Welcome to Let's Talk America Radio with host Shana Thornton. Of course, I am Shana and I welcome you to another new episode of our award-winning program that highlights the topics you want to know more about. And I don't need to tell anyone right now in the month of March that there is a huge spotlight on the coronavirus going on right now in the U.S. and also on a global scale. Well, we're going to put the spotlight not just on your health. We did cover that recently, but we're also going to talk about the markets, the economy, all that and so much more. What does it mean long-term with the coronavirus continuing to loom here in the U.S. and abroad? You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio. Stay with us. We'll take a brief break where you'll hear from one of our national sponsors. And then we're going to have the one and only financial guru, James DeVigilio, on with us. And he's going to talk about coronavirus and so much more and what it means ultimately to your bank account and your pockets. You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio. We offer real talk for real people. That's you. Glamour Girl Fitness wants you to stop making excuses for fitness and get fit Glamour Girl style. Now supersede the word fitness with fun and incorporate the whole family. That's what Glamour Girl Fitness does with the Mommy and Me program. We take a time out for fitness. Find out more now by visiting www. .glamourgirlfitness.org Again, that's www.glamourgirlfitness.org Start the conversation today because you matter. Thank you. Welcome listeners to Let's Talk America Radio. Of course, on this award-winning program, we spotlight those issues you want to know more about. And wow, there are a lot of things in the news lately. I don't need to tell any of you that, but we're going to put the spotlight on the financial markets. That's right. That's been trending in light of everything going on with the health crisis, coronavirus, as many as you know. Now, I'm no expert, but we're so excited right now to welcome a newcomer to our show, but he's an expert in his fields. I'm talking about the one and only James D. Vigilio. I hope I didn't butcher your name too much, James. Welcome to our program. Uh, Thanks for having me. Okay, excited to have you on. For those that don't know, many of you may recognize his name. James is one of the nation's leading investors and financial planners. He is the co-founder of, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing this right, a, a very top wealth management firm. Tell us the name and tell us a little about it, James. Sure, I'm giving you a bunch of challenging names today, but it's Chacon Diaz. (laughs) and the Virgilio Wealth Management. And really, for your listeners, what matters most is we're a fiduciary firm. So we always have to do what's best for our clients at all times. And, and you know, really fewer than one in 10 are that. Uh, and so everything we talk about today, there's no angle uh, from it other than what the data would say is the best thing to do. And that's really my, my sole focus, my job. And that's what we'll be looking at today. 
Okay, so we, we've got the right expert on. I want to dive right into it, James. Coronavirus, it's been all over the news. Other than the actual physical health scare that many individuals are concerned about, we've watched the stock market. Uh, we've been on a roller coaster, something of a wild ride lately. Um, it was all down. It was plummeting. Many people were concerned and worried. Then we saw an upswing recently. I don't know. I want to dive into that. But some people believe it may have had to do with our president um, doing some things and, and really getting a hold of it. What is your opinion of this? And has the corona market been a mess for the markets? Oh, it's been a mess. It's, it's been the fastest fall in the in market's history as far as a fall from a bull market to a bear market. Typically, it'll take anywhere from, you know, 100 to 184 days for a bear market to sort of enter in. Uh, you know, this happened really in less than 25 days. So it, it's different. It's reflecting the fact that the world has not dealt with a globally connected pandemic like this one. And it's caused a lot of fear in grocery stores with toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And it's also caused a lot of fear in the stock market. Uh, We live in a day and age, Shana, where presidents across the world will take credit for attempting to control things they really can't control. And I like to start off any financial talk saying really before the late 1920s, presidents did not even deal with the stock market. They let it do what it did, and they didn't attempt to come in and intervene. Those days are long gone. And as you mentioned, now we pump a lot of money into the system. Whether or not this is good good or bad goes beyond our scope. But that is definitely why you saw the stock market on Friday go back up, is a lot of monetary measures are being taken. But I think regardless, it's safe to say the market's not going to be stable until coronavirus gets past us. You know, we're looking at um, the stock market here in the U.S., and uh, that matters to us. I'm, I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen. But I can't help but think how much international markets and international politics and also health scares like the corona here impacts our markets. I mean, I know so many of these top con- uh, companies that are on New York Stock Exchange, of course, are global. But how much has what has happened in China impacts us here? So that's a great question, and the answer is significantly. And like we mentioned, the world is far more connected nowadays than it once was. And if you own a company, Shana, uh, you almost certainly are going to have plenty of clients and opportunities and markets outside of this country. And whether it's just places where you manufacture your product or elsewhere, if places like China and South Korea and Italy and others shut down their economies for weeks at a time, Uh, you're going to have small businesses go out of business, whether it be restaurants or anything that consumers typically would frequent. When those go out of business, you can't just get them back. And that will take time to recover from those economic situations. Now, with that being said, the United States remains in an excellent position to continue to be able to produce wealth after this scare because we still have the best engine. But you, you can't separate the two. There will definitely be real economic pain from all the actions that have been taken. Wow. So great answer. I want to talk about something that's probably very near and dear to the hearts of many of our listeners. They're looking at um, the performance of the market lately, and you know it's been a roller coaster, and they're thinking of their retirement. Let's say we have a listener that's 29 and she's investing, or someone that's 67, and they're getting very afraid, James. Now, you're an expert, um, apparently a guy who's seen a lot of different uh, things happen within this market. Should there be some serious concern? There should be serious concern. In reality, the most serious concern for the 29-year-old or the 67-year-old is whether or not you actually have a strategy. Do you have a financial planning strategy? Do you have an investment management strategy? And very sadly, most people do not. Whether or not you have a financial advisor may or may not even solve this problem for you. So during times of crisis, 
human nature would tell us we actually tend to want to bunker down. The common thought is, let's not look at my statement anymore. I'm just going to throw them in the trash. I'm going to wait several years to look again. We want to distance ourselves from the fear that's gripping us. But in reality, now is the best time to make sure that you have an actual strategy. For example, if you don't know what it means when I say, what investment strategy are you using, that should raise an alarm bell, right? And the best way to get these problems taken care of are to go find a fiduciary, find someone who has your legal best interest at heart and is an expert that can go ahead and get your planning correct. That's super, super important. We know that most people struggle to invest well. There's data that exists every year that proves this. And the crisis is a wonderful time, regardless of your age, to actually look at what you're doing. There are several different strategies that can help investors. They can help us with our financial planning. Okay. But you have to dive into it, Shana, to actually be able to fix your situation. Just crossing your fingers and hoping things get better when you haven't taken uh, any yeah. steps to put plan in is not going to get it done. Now, I mentioned the 28, 29-year-old that's watching this, and she's invested. She's saying, I'm doing the right thing. I've got a good job, but I plan to make more. But she's a millennial, and I've read so many different things. Some say millennials are doing the right things. A lot of things I'm reading says they're not necessarily as disciplined. I know we cannot group everybody and stereotype every uh, generation. I sure wouldn't want anyone to do that to the, to the younger end of Generation X myself. Um, but are there some common practices that millennials may be missing? Yes, and actually, I'm glad you said this because grouping us by generations is not helping really anyone because the reality is, as people, we have certain financial problems that all of us struggle to overcome. One is that we do not save enough for retirement. Everyone needs to be saving at least 10% of their gross income, right? So before you take taxes out, 10% needs to get saved, and then it needs to get invested, So some people will save the right amount of money, but they'll put this into cash or into a CD or under their mattress, right? That's not going to get it done. It needs to be saved and invested. People still do that, James. They still still do that. In fact, regardless of your age, whether you're 25 or 75, the most likely holding that you have is cash. You're most likely to have cash. And that, we know, will not get it done in the long term. Cash is not going to give you enough return over a 10, 20, or 30-year period, but regardless of your age, most people do that. So you kind of have to overcome yourself, whether you're a millennial or not, and begin with that one. 10% of your gross income has got to be saved and invested for retirement. If you could begin to get that down, you actually have a really good shot of doing all of the other things that will further improve your situation as well. Wow. Okay. We talked about the millennials, but of course we know people can still be in college, even if they're in their late thirties, even if they're fifties. And I congratulate those that go back to school and really pursue their dreams. You know, there's no age limit to that, but I want to talk about student loans right now. We have a financial expert on. I'm putting the spotlight on so much in this uh, world that we're living in right now. We're in the face, in the midst of a, uh, what we're calling a medical crisis here in the U.S. with coronavirus. So uh, when it comes to student loans, James, what are the benefits of debt-free uh, pass versus paying on your own? I mean, I know that's a big topic. I, I see a lot of financial gurus on television. They sell these books, and they're talking about it. Are there benefits? But I'll say this right off. It doesn't seem to be easy either way. It's not easy. And first, let's talk about what you should borrow. So if you're listening and you're about to go to grad school or you're in the middle of school now, there is a nice rule of thumb to follow. Uh, whatever you borrow, whatever you borrow, let's say you're going to borrow $50,000 to go to graduate school, uh, you, need, you need to make 
in your first year out of school. So if I'm going to borrow 50, I need to make at least $50,000 my first year out of school. Oh. That's the rule of thumb. So if you're looking at, I'm going to go to Harvard versus I'm going to go to my local school and you can't justify that because coming out of Harvard means you're not going to make enough money. Don't go to Harvard, right? That's a very simple okay. way to look at that. But that's an important way to do it. And that gets a lot of people in trouble. They'll spend a hundred thousand dollars getting a history PhD from Harvard. They'll become a teacher making $35,000 what do you do now? Right? So one, make sure you're borrowing the proper amount of money. And two, as humans, we don't like to be in debt. This really weighs on us psychologically. Yeah. So one of the best ways to get out of debt, you come right out of school, you start your first job, save that 10% for your retirement and save up to 30%, up to 30% uh, for student loan debt reduction. And that seems like a lot, but the reality is you're not used to making money coming out of school. And this will allow you to pay your student loans off entirely in less than five years. You debt free, wow. you're able to now build and accumulate wealth. Wow. I mean, so that's great advice. So for someone to just keep that in mind now, I want to play devil's advocate a little, James. What if someone says, but I've always had the dream of going to an Ivy League, a Penn State, a Yale, a Harvard. And, and after all, it's not all about making the money. It's about the learning experience. Well, that's fine. But that raises a very big philosophical question, Shana. So if that is your answer to the question, who is responsible for the debt you take on? Now, some people would argue that society should take on that debt, that you and I should pay for that person because they want to go get that. I would argue the opposite. I think being a good citizen and being a good society member is to be responsible for yourself when you are able to do so. That lessens the burden on everyone else. So sometimes that means we have to look in the mirror and say, this is an irresponsible decision. Sometimes my dream is not the best course of action. I need to be wise enough to alter my plans if it's not going to wind up actually being best for me. Okay, great answer. It's a different way to look at it. Of course, we offer real talk for real people here on Let's Talk America Radio. Now, I, I have to ask you this before you leave us. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, our president and different policies, and you said in the past, a long, long time ago, they didn't traditionally have any impact on the stock market. Of course, they do today. Uh, currently, I'm talking about President Donald Trump. Um, are there any policies that are impacting the stock market from his viewpoint or vantage or any policies that he has that are affecting? it negatively or positively? Well, a lot of, a lot of what Donald Trump has done uh, has been positive for the stock market, but that would be true of anyone. Uh, I think he takes, tries to take far too much credit, like any president does, for things that happen in the market. But the market's very simple. If you do things that allow for investors and entrepreneurs to flourish, the market's going to do better in the long run. So what are we talking about? Reducing taxes, reducing regulation. This it gets philosophical, but just market-wise, if you do those things, the market's going to flourish in the long run because it allows people to solve problems faster. When we talk about coronavirus, we talk about uh, Republicans or Democrats, it's the same playbook, right? Pump money into the economy. Whether this is good or bad is highly opinionated. In my opinion, it's a steroid, and the U.S. economy has been injected with a lot of steroids in the past 30 years. At some point in time, we will pay the price for this behavior. I think it's irresponsible. I don't think it's good governance. And again, that's true regardless of where you are in the political sphere. You can't keep doing what we're doing forever. At some point in time, it has to stop. 
Great answer, great information. I appreciate having you on. Before we leave, there are many guardians, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles on. They have little ones that may be listening with them. Uh, too many times, unfortunately, here in our communities, people find out about the stock market, about financial practices and common sense. When it comes to investing, way too late, I do believe. Um, I'm sure you're an advocate of us trying to educate our youth as early as possible. That could be only an advantage, I'd imagine. Right, James? Oh, absolutely. And, in fact, you kind of named it. This starts with the families. You know, I was on TV in Baltimore this last week, and they asked me a very similar question. And they said, well, how can you educate millennials or boomers or people better? And, you know, I said, you really can't. It has to be done at the family level. It has to be done with parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, whoever is able to get the young ears. This is what is wise. This is how you build wealth. Because you just can't have society do this, right? The schools could do more, but it wouldn't be enough. It takes consistent messaging at the family unit to say, here is how you build wealth. Here is what responsibility is. And that begins with learning what, in fact, responsibility is, right? It's a slow movement, but if your citizens as a whole can learn this is the right way to act and behave when it comes to money, then generations down the line, you've significantly changed your own family tree, and you've also changed society powerful. And James, I want to say this. I think so many times as a parent, I'm a parent, my husband and I, that a lot of times parents or guardians want to show uh, our youth often the positive side of everything. Well, only if we have a gain. But what you advocate as well, that it's critical for us to show them where their failures in our financial journey, even with the stock market, showing them, I think, the longevity of it or sticking with it and not just where everything's great so they can learn from the good and the bad. Absolutely. As an entrepreneur myself, I believe so much in the power of feedback And feedback comes both from succeeding and from failing, and that is very real world. And you have to teach your children that there is a good and there is a bad, there is a right and there is a wrong. And even if you're doing everything right, sometimes you are not going to reap a harvest for what you're sowing. But in the long run, it will always be best. You have to be patient enough to stick with good and wise decisions so they work out in the long run. But without a doubt, you're doing your children no favors if you don't allow them to fail if you don't allow them to see the results of their actions, and if you don't allow them to do good things that don't work and then encourage them to say, stick with it, be patient, wait for it to happen, uh, that is definitely how you build a responsible citizen. Good info. And before you leave us, talking about our youth. So many parents are listening in. And, you know, there's a a thought in the U.S. um, It goes back and forth when it comes to kids. If we're going to pay for them or help them go to college. But in the midst, there's a balance. Because as parents, as we're aging, we say, well, we also have to save for retirement. I would imagine many Americans find it difficult to sort of invest or save to the side for the kids' future college plans. And also making sure they have a comfortable retirement strategy themselves. Yeah, I think it's really important to do your best to take care of your own financial situation first. This is a a not happy example, but if you've ever flown in an airplane, what do they tell you? Put your own oxygen mask on so you can help others. And this is really true. If you kind of go bankrupt as a parent, one, you've modeled that for your children, and two, you have no way to help your children. Now you're counting on your children to help you, and that puts a lot of extra strain on them as well. So imagine this situation. You tell your children, hey, look, you know, mom and dad, we haven't been able to make enough to provide for your college education for free. However, you're not going to have to worry about taking care of us. We'll give you what we can. We're going to make sure you get financial aid. And you're going to give your child the best chance to succeed in their life because nothing is actually worse for a child than to have to take care of their parents too early. Let's say they come out of school. Now the parents have no money. Now they provide for their own family and their parents at the same time. This can cripple them for the rest of their financial lives. So they're actually far better off having to provide college for themselves than to have to do 
both of those things. And ideally, like you mentioned, of course, as parents, we want to provide everything for our children. But when you have to make that choice, you've got to make sure you're putting that 10% aside for yourself before you begin to prepare for your children's education. And I think there's a philosophical debate often that takes place in many communities and, and networks I'm a part of. Do you uh, do your best or go broke to provide all the education for them to go to a Harvard or Yale or Georgia Tech or allow them to a certain degree, you help where you can, but also to promote themselves and take an interest in their own education? Yeah, I think amen to that second part. I think if you look at most successful people, it's because they have sooner rather than later recognized that this is their life. They are separate from their parents. Their parents have endowed them with a lot of really good and fortunate things to get where they are. But the sooner they recognize this is my life, these are my choices, this will affect me, they can begin to really flourish. And I think that only happens when they see their parents making decisions that affect the family. Their parents just aren't entirely focused on them. The world does not revolve around them, right? Because ultimately... The world doesn't revolve around any of us. So I think the more accurate we can model this, the more accurate we can model this, the better this becomes for them. And that's where they on their own could make a decision and say, you know what, mom and dad, my dream was to go to Harvard, but I recognize that if I go to Harvard for my undergrad, it doesn't actually really benefit my career. Maybe I'll wait and go there for grad school. And they begin to make better decisions on their own. And, and again, that is possible, I think. And that comes with, of course, responsibility. Absolutely. It's a balance, and, and you mix all the ingredients up, and hopefully it comes out the best. James, what a pleasure to have you on Let's Talk America Radio. So many great topics we touched on. We have to have you back on. But before we leave, tell our national and international listeners where they can go for additional information to connect with you, follow you out there. I'm sure you're on social media, right? I'm on social media. You can find me on Facebook uh, primarily, and I'll publish all my articles there. But really the best place to go, especially for educational purposes, is my website. It's cddwealth.com, so charliedaviddavidwealth.com. And you can find a plethora of topics there. There are videos, there are articles, everything from which retirement account to choose, how to fund your child's education. Uh, A lot of the things we talked about today, there are in-depth articles that will give you a rule of thumb something that's easy to enact and use in your own life, as well as give you the data to tell you why uh, we think that's best. Education is key, and we appreciate having you here on Let's Talk America Radio. Real talk for real people. Stay tuned in, listeners. Our rights reserved. Copyright 2020.